Uh, today we're going to be starting with a bo- uh, story from the book of Hosea. And uh, all throughout the Bible, God uses uh, prophets to say and do things that are just absolutely crazy um, to get his point across to his people. And uh, this story in Hosea is definitely one of the crazier ones. Um, so that's where we're going to start, and then we're, we're going to continue studying first from First Peter today. But uh, this is Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 9, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along. If not, it'll be on the screen. Uh, but it says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, which when I read that, it made me happy because if you want to know how Gomer turned out the way she did, the father is to blame. <laughs> Little joke. The father is to blame. It just cracked me up. I sat and laughed to myself. It just had a good... The father is to blame. Um, oh, good times. Uh, and so Gomer became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said... Name this child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed in Jezreel. In fact, I'll bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's what it doesn't say here, uh, that... When she had the first, she said she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. The second time she became pregnant, she didn't, doesn't say anything about Hose, giving Hosea a daughter. So most likely, it's, this one's not from Hosea. It's not Hosea's child. It's somebody else's child. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo-Ramaha, which means not loved, for I will no longer show the people of Israel, show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Ramaha, she became pregnant again and gave birth to a second son. Again, what it doesn't say, doesn't say anything about Hosea being the father. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, meaning not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. And so God used this crazy set of circumstances to point to Israel's unfaithfulness. And he lays out all of their unfaithfulness in Hosea chapter 2, if you want to read it. Um, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more in a bit. But then in chapter 3, something changes. In Hosea chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, it says this, Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her 
the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. And Hosea said, I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. Then I told her, from now on, you're living with me. No more whoring, no more sleeping around. You're living with me and I'm living with you. Now, this is what I find so interesting, that somewhere along the line, we don't know where, Gomer was enslaved and sold herself into prostitution. And so Hosea paid this price to have her set free, but that's what's interesting, that he allowed her to be unfaithful and to live as a prostitute for years through multiple children And he basically allows her to be unfaithful and live her wild life. And he doesn't tell her to stop. He doesn't make her quit being unfaithful. He doesn't make her stop being a prostitute until he pays the price to get her out of that life. And then he says, okay, no more. Before he paid the price, before he bought her freedom, he allowed her to be unfaithful. But once he paid to set her free, he said, now the way that you're living is going to have to change. You're not going to live like that anymore. From now on, I'm going to share, I'm not going to share you with anybody. You are mine. I am yours. No one else comes into this relationship anymore. And so that brings me to 1 Peter, where we're going to be studying today. And it sounds very similar to what Hosea said. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. And if you want to be there, we'll be in that section uh, the rest of the morning. But Peter says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from that empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom that he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Or as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.20, that you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jesus paid a price to rescue you from your slavery and rescue you from your unfaithfulness to God. You were bought at a price. You were given new life in Christ. And you're meant to be in relationship with Christ and Christ alone. He's not supposed to share us with anyone or anything else. After all, to ask the same question that Bill asked, who are we? Who are we? The Bible tells us that we are the bride of Christ. That we are like Christ's wife. But the question is, what kind of wife are we? What kind of bride are we? To our bridegroom? Are we running around lusting after the things of this world, prostituting ourselves to everything and anything that makes us happy? Have we, Christ's bride, 
become just another gomer. Doing what we want to get what we want. Being unfaithful. So with the price that Jesus paid on the cross, the price that he paid in blood, with that in mind, with the story of Gomer in mind, with what Hosea said to her once he paid the price for her freedom, what Peter has to say to us today sounds an awful lot like what Hosea said. So this is First Peter. We're gonna start at verse 14 and then keep going. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. What are your old ways of living? How are you living right now as a Christian to satisfy your own desires? What Christian things do you do right now that if you're really honest, you're not doing them so much for God, you're doing them because it makes you feel good? I mean, it'd be real easy to give out your $5 because it makes you feel good, but you're not really doing it for God. It's real easy to do things and to do them out of selfish ambition rather than doing it for God. I see it a lot on, on social media. Uh, even the, in the, the Alliance, we have a, a pastors and international workers page on, on Facebook where we can all talk. And it's exhausting watching these pastors talk sometimes. John and I, we talk constantly about how frustrating it is uh, because it's people making arguments and using scripture, but, but in watching some of these arguments take place, it's kind of like, I don't know that what you're saying right now in your comment is making go, God go like, oh, it, it makes me happy that they're saying this. This is bringing Jesus glory. Sure, they're using a lot of Bible verses and, and saying good, godly things, but I'm not really sure that God's looking at that and going like, that's what I want Christians to do. But, and, and it goes beyond just the pastors and international work. It happens all the time where people see Christians online arguing and fighting all the time. And it's no wonder people are like, why would I want to be a part of that? And I think it's because we're, we slip back into our old ways of life and we just put a little bit of a gospel spin on it. What are your old ways of living? How are you living now as a Christian to satisfy your own desires? I want to take just a second and, and give us a chance to pray and ask God that question. I'm not, so let's pray. Father, what are my old ways of living? How am I living right now as a Christian to satisfy my own desires? Ask that of God.
So Peter says in, in verse 14, so you must live as God-obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Does that describe you? For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Does that describe you? He goes on to say, and remember that your heavenly father whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. Are you living a holy life? Because God doesn't play favorites. This says that you'll be judged according to your holiness. So if you're judged, not based on what you've done for God or how good of a person you've been or what position you've held or how often you come to church or how many organizations you've helped or how many people you've helped, but judged solely based on your holiness. How does that make you feel? If that makes you like tighten up a little bit when I read that, if that makes you go like, ah, that's right. It should make you a little bit concerned. It should make you a little bit afraid because of your reverence for him. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm pretty holy. I live a pretty holy life. I, I don't doubt you, but I would also encourage you to ask God to search your heart. Because I just know that the more time that I spend around Jesus, the more time I spend in his word, the more time I spend in prayer, the closer I get to God the more I realize just how unholy I am. It's kind of one of those things that the closer you stand to perfection, the more that you realize you're not even close to perfection. Sometimes it's the Christians that think that they're doing pretty good are the ones that are just the most deceived. And so Peter says, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. Because that's what we are. We're just foreigners. Our time on earth is short. You're just passing through. And judgment is coming soon. And then he goes on to talk about the price that was paid. The price that Jesus paid. This is starting at verse 14. He says, so you must live as obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways and your old desires. You didn't know any better then, but you have to be holy in everything you do because God who chose you is holy. And the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. And remember that your father, father doesn't play favorites. He won't judge you according to what, he will judge you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid, a, so now we, now we caught up to where we began. 
He says all of this, you have to live as obedient children. You have to live holy lives. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from this empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid wasn't mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but has now revealed him to you in these last days. Go back to Hosea and Gomer for a second. When Hosea gets Gomer released from her old life, he goes on to say, okay, now these things, they have to change. We, we read that in verse 14 to 16. But then Gomer says this in verse three of chapter three. He, he says, you're living with me and I'm living with you. Basically, we're, he's saying we're together now. We're gonna have a real relationship now. You're gonna have a new, a different life now. In Ephesians, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He, he says, look, now you got to take off the old life. Your old life, I, I've paid this price for you. That old life has to end. You have a new life now. You have to live a new way, new thoughts, new attitudes. And much like Hosea with Gomer, he's given us the opportunity to trade in our filthy old life and our broken lifestyle to be a beautiful bride. Hosea never really goes on to say if, if Gomer fully stepped into this, what happened to Gomer after that, but God has given us that opportunity to step into being the beautiful bride that he created us to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. It says that he gave his life up for her, for us, for his bride, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present us to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Jesus paid the price so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be holy as he is holy. Holiness is, is a journey, and it's something that we can't do on our own. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus paid the price, so that we could be cleansed without spot, wrinkle, or any other blemish. Instead, we could be holy. When you hear that, that we have to be holy as he is holy, it should cause in us this reverent, godly fear. But if you're anything like me, you ask this question, how can I do that? How can I be holy? When, when I read, be holy as I am holy, I know how holy God is. And so I read that and go, how can I do that? How can I be holy as God is holy? How can I be holy like that? You can't. That's the gift that Christ gives us. That, that's, the, that's the price he paid with his blood. 
That's the gift he gives us. Grace being hidden in him. So that our unrighteousness as we're hidden in him is covered up by his righteousness. You are the bride of Christ, bought with the blood of Christ so that through Christ you might be made beautiful without spot or wrinkle or any kind of blemish. In spite of our unfaithfulness, in spite of our unfaithfulness even as Christians, despite our lust for things for, uh, for things other than God, even as Christians, Jesus has made us without wrinkle, stain, or blemish through the blood of Christ, through the price that he paid. What did God tell Hosea in, in Hosea chapter three, verse one? He says, he says this, love Gomer, love your wife, how? The way I, God, love the Israelite people. I, I love these people even as they flirt and party with every other God that takes their fancy. Jesus loves you even though you're not always holy as he is holy. He loves you even though sometimes you have a wandering eye to the other gods of this world. God loves you despite your unfaithfulness, despite your failure, the times that you lose your focus on him because your focus is on something else or someone else. It's Christ that makes us holy. Are, are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that you've been set free? Are you thankful that he paid the price? That you, you don't have to try to work your way out of, out, of, out of the lifestyle that you've gotten yourself in? You've been set completely free. Your unrighteousness is covered in his righteousness. Are, are, does that do anything in your heart? Does that excite you in any way? Does that make you go, oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus? At all? A little bit? Amen? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 let's just pray a second. Father, I, I pray that thankfulness and praise would rise up in us. I, I pray that, that in right now you would stir our hearts because we're beginning to realize just how good you've been, how how much that price was. It wasn't just, as, as, as you said, mere gold or silver. It wasn't like one of those junky little gold or silver things. This is the precious blood of Christ that you paid for us so that we could be set free. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. I hope that you're excited about that. I hope that that does something in you. I hope that stirs you to want to pay the cost of being a disciple and pick up your cross and follow him. So right now, I just want to finish service. It's a, a, a video, um, and it's a, it's a song that just popped into my radar, at least, this, this past week, and I'm just loving it. Um, 
but it's a celebration of the fact that Christ's blood has set us free and, and is calling us into something deeper, to leave our old abandon, abandon our old broken life, but to come up into this new life that he's paid the ransom to set us free. So uh, if you'll stand with me, we're going to watch this video together as sort of a closing to the sermon and a closing to the service. Um, and it's a pretty easy tune, so if you want to sing along, sing along. Um, and uh, just, just worship and praise him this morning, because we've said it all morning, he is so, so good. And, and you have been called to something so much better, so leave, abandon your old life, because you have been bought with a precious, holy lamb of God, blood, to live a spotless, without blemish life in the sight of God. So let's praise him together. Watch this video. A single precious, a single precious is the full
So go and drench your world with love. And not just your love, the love of Jesus. We'll see you back here next week, 10 a.m. Have a great week.